Do you want us to keep producing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there? If so, there's a way you can help. If you enjoy this show, please consider donating to help us pay for the cost of making it available. You can do so by using the PayPal link in the description of the podcast or on social media sites where we post it. Even a small donation would help. Thanks in advance, and go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. Well, if this loss feels familiar, then it should. Because what is got to be one of the more frustrating things about tonight is that it's the kind of loss that we've had in tournaments under the previous regimes. Welcome to Rams Rewind, live here in Orlando at the State Farm Fieldhouse and here in the VCU Good, the Bad and the Ugly group. Thank you for joining us. First and foremost, if you like what you hear and you want to shoot us some dinero, there is a link to the description in the PayPal on your various podcast platforms. And um, golly Moses, this is a game VCU absolutely should have won. This is a game that VCU controlled for most of it. 68-64, I think that's Iowa State's biggest lead of the game. Yes, or it's tied for their biggest lead of the game. Iowa State was up 9-5 to five, um, uh, uh, early in the game. VCU led for over 35 minutes. But they're not going to win this game because even though Iowa State did the same thing over and over again because they couldn't make a jump shot for the most part. VCU couldn't stop it. They're not going to win this game because of just some ludicrous mental errors at key spots in the game trying to be too perfect or too over-elaborate. They're not going to win this game because they couldn't rebound a missed free throw twice and Iowa State got buckets on both of them. And when it's a four-point defeat... That hurts. When one of your best players, Max Shulga, misses the front end of a one-on-one -on -one and then misses a layup near the end that would have given you the lead, that hurts. And you got to wonder if 37 minutes was a lot for Max Shulga tonight. Maybe he was tired, although I'll be honest, on that last layup, I thought he was just – I thought he was contorting himself for no reason. Yeah, it, it's been Bruce, that's a, Bruce Stevenson, that's a great point. Uh, this was exactly like the VC versus Seattle game. We said we were Seattle and we lost by four just like Seattle. Yes, I totally agree with that. You know, 7-0 run for Iowa State over the last 145. VCUs, no field goals in the last 444. You can partly blame me because I tell you, at 59-49 VCU, I thought we were just about home. Even though there was a lot of time left at that point. I really thought they were home at that at, at that juncture. They were playing so well. They had repelled a pretty big run by Iowa State already. And yeah, and, and Carlos Diaz, that's exactly it. That is all they did was drive and they draw the foul, hit the shot or both. Some of those foul calls were baloney. I mean, when you've got Lipsy initiating the comment, uh, initiating the contact, Shulga or Bell or whoever it is, is backing up. They are backing up. 
Um, what the heck? Honestly, what the heck? If you're backing up and the other guy's initiating the contact, it's not a foul on you. It's either nothing or it's an offensive foul. And it should have been nothing most of the time. Gracious sakes alive. And so let's see here. Let's get to uh, 59-49. Yes, yeah, 6.02 to go. Zeb Jackson makes that jumper, and I honestly thought I thought we were home. I thought we were home. And, and yeah, this is, this is a little bit of VCU Arizona State, but this is a little bit of Connecticut at the Battle for Atlantis too because they played a magnificent first half. I mean, that first 19 minutes, a defensive master class. Uh, you know, they were, they were at times running bad offense and getting lucky, but they were also running some good offense at times. And you get to one minute left. You get to a minute and 35. In fact, you get to a minute and 35. I mean, this is what really gets you. Minute 35, and they got a 15-point lead. And they give up. Lipsy gives up the only two threes that he or Iowa State makes the whole game. You know, and in between that, two turnovers by VCU, or a missed shot and a, and a turnover by VCU. And that just – that brings – that brings Iowa State back in. It gave them momentum. But VCU repelled that, and they repelled other ones. And when they got to six minutes left at 59-49, I really thought they were home. But their offense just went stagnant. I cannot explain. And I would love to hear an explanation of why all of a sudden we had Shulga dribble, 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 and take a bad shot. Or Jackson. Or Nelson. Or all these – I mean – where was the ball movement? Where was the passing? It's all dribble, 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 and they're dribbling around, and that is not going to get the job done. That is not how to run good offense at this level, and it's not how you got into that position. That's the thing that kills me. And, yeah, they uh, they played good defense, Iowa State, and you got to give them credit. you got to give them credit. You know, let's see the second. You know, second half. You may hear the uh, the the uh, press conference in the background. I apologize, and I don't know about the music either. But you give them credit in the second half. VCU was nine for twenty-four, but some of that, some of that is VCU just getting out of what worked for them. Four assists on nine made field goals. That tells the story. That tells the story. It's awful. And Eric Slater, you're absolutely right. Points in the paint, 42 to 18 Iowa State because they weren't making threes. Lipsy makes those two at the end of the first half. They don't make a three the rest of the game, and they didn't make a three before it. They were 0 for 6 in the second half, and that's the amazing thing. They shoot 60% from the field, and they don't make a three, and they are 0 for 6. They shoot better from the field than they do from the foul line. They missed enough foul shots to give VCU a chance. Uh, Carlos Diaz. That is true in part. He says they figured out our offense after the under eight timeout. I think there's something to that, but at the same time, you saw how many times it was one guy dribbling around, nobody passing, everybody just standing around. Is that them figuring out our offense, or is that us not doing what we're supposed to? I think it's probably a bit of both, and it's just it's such a brutal well, it's such a brutal defeat, but Bruce. Our paint defense was really good in the first half. The problem was in the second half, you know, not only were they getting in there and getting getting in there, they were getting foul calls. So 
Some of them they shouldn't have got. Some of them they should, but some of them they shouldn't got. And it hurt. It hurt bad, you know. And and VCU had had a tough, tough, tough second half on the backboard, twenty to eleven Iowa State. Jeez. Yeah, Arizona State. It, it is. It's like that too. It is like that. I mean, VCU played so good for so long in this game, and they just let it. They just let it all go at the key spot. And I'm frustrated because, again, what an opportunity this was. Let me get. Let me get. Let me give you an idea of how good a job they did tonight. So even though they were red hot in the second half. Iowa State, who came into the came into this game, let's see here. Iowa State came into this game hitting 53.6% of their shots from the field, which puts them 13th in the country. VCU holds them to 40% from the field and barely over 40%, and they had to get hot to do that. They, this team was number one in scoring defense. They were number one in scoring margin. They had beaten their opponents by an average of 42.5 points. And I know they hadn't played anyone, Carlos Diaz. I know that. But even still, you're putting up, they're putting up these ridiculous numbers. VCU holds them to 68. VCU leads them for almost entire the entire game. And that was the other thing I thought. When VCU got, was up 10 with six minutes left, I'm like, they haven't faced this situation, and they're not going to be able to handle it. Well, unfortunately, they were, because Lipsy and Gilbert kept getting into the lane, kept getting baskets or fouls or both. You know, Jones makes makes a big shot, makes makes a big shot, and ends up six for seven. Oh my gosh! It's three guys that beat them essentially. It's three guys that beat them. But again, this this was a gigantic effort. It was a great effort from VCU, but that's the problem. That's the same thing I complained about with the last coach. These great efforts against big teams, and Bruce Stevenson, you're absolutely right. It's just like UConn, Baylor, and Arizona State last year. These big efforts against great teams, but they're not winning them. And you've got to win them. You've got to find a way to win them at the end of the day. You can't keep going into these games and just missing. Because what good is that? You know, that'll, that'll get you an attaboy from a few people, but it's not going to help you with the committee. And they should have won this game. They were the better team for most of it. They could have blown. They had this game blown out to a 15-point lead in the last 90 seconds of the half. First half. And that, and that, and that just, mm, it is, it's hard to take. A loss like this is hard to take because there are so many things there are so many laudatory things Michael Bell tonight Michael Bell who's struggled mightily from the field and just hasn't had any luck and the first shot he throws up for all the world should have went in and it didn't and you're like oh god this kid can't catch a break and he ends up with 14 points and he was magnificent and played a really good game defensively you know Shulga 17 points and 8 assists Eight assists, eight of our 11 assists, that's excellent from him. And only two turnovers. <sighs> so, I mean, that's, you know, on another night, that's a winning effort, and we're just mauling him. Furman's five for five from the field tonight, gets 12 points, and Furman in the wall. 
early in that game, blocking all those shots. They totally, they totally were in Iowa State's head. That's how Iowa State missed doggone 15 or se- no 17 shots in a row and went 11 minutes without a basket because because you know Furman has three blocks and the wall has one. I mean that was all in the first six seven minutes. That's what I hope too, Carlos Diaz, if they learn from this and come out on fire. But it's like, how many times do we have to replay this nightmare? How many times do we have to go through this thing where we play just good enough to break your heart? Because it is, mm, I mean, it's one thing with the new coaching staff. We got to give them time and we got to, you know, we got to give them space to develop and stuff. But it's like, oh, I'm so tired of these kind of losses because they're brutal. Bruce Stevenson, that's the thing. I. I don't know why Shulga twisted himself like that because it's not as if there was anybody right on top of him. I don't know if he thought his shot was going to get blocked, but it's like, dude, just make the basket. Why are you trying? Why are you twisting yourself around? Was there, somebody who was watching might have to rewind that and look at it again and see and see if it was because to me at the time it looked like there was no reason. There was no reason for him to twist himself like that proper and take that off-balance shot, but that would be a question for Max. Yeah, and, and that's what it grows, Diaz. This offense devolved into dribble death. Nothing but dribble death and then throw up a shot or commit a foul or all this other stuff. And it's just, oh, I was so frustrated. I was so frustrated because you could just see it. You could see it right there. And maybe that's it too, Todd St. Pierre. He just forced it. And the thing is, there was time on the clock. There was still time on the clock. You didn't have to do that. You know, make one more pass. But the problem is, was anybody was there anybody he could have passed to down there? I don't know. You know, was somebody cutting to the basket so that uh, so that, that he could have passed it off and maybe they could have had a dunk? And oh gosh, I gotta say it again. I'm getting sick and tired of these bounce passes at the wall and for means knees they're getting deflected they're they're going through their hands seriously we've got to stop bounce passing it to them at least until they're comfortable with it because every it feels like every time we try and bounce pass it to Furman or the wall it ends in a turnover because they can't handle it or somebody gets the hand in there up here around the head and the shoulders Oh, and something else. This is the other thing that kind of blew, blows my mind because, again, this is a really good offensive coach we're supposed to have. So what in the hell is the problem that we can't inbound the ball under our own basket? Because God bless America, four times. Four times we threw it long and turned it over or got a foul or some other nonsense. And it's like, if you're going to throw it that far back, throw it into the backcourt where you have more room. You're throwing it right to the half-court line where you're almost pinning your own player. What is that? And, and, and again, we're throwing it out. Where's the quick hitter into the doggone, into the doggone lane so you can get a layup like the one at, at the end of the Florida State game in the Sweet 16? Damn. And, and let's give it, you know what, and I want to say this too, Iowa State's crowd, and there are a lot of them here, they were great tonight. And as soon as they got a sniff, they were they were loud and into it. They were loud and into it. Um, and I don't know who it was. I think it was either Coppinger or Hutto. You wanted me to mention Kawani Kawani. 
and you and you were absolutely right about that. Because here's the funny thing: in a game they end up losing by four. Kawani Kawani plays 16 minutes. He only has two points. He's plus 15. So his experience on the floor definitely made a difference, and probably maybe he should have been out there more. You know, Nelson had some big misses down the stretch, and maybe he needed to be out there more so that our players didn't get tired at the end because I do wonder about fatigue. Bell played 29. Shulga played 37. You know, Fermin played 37, fouled out. Toby played 27. And I do wonder about that. You know, and I know they're in a situation – Again, where they're a little short because of the Barristow injury and because of the Bamisil situation. But that's tough. And I just wonder if Kawani should have been out there more. I think it's a very, very good point that was brought up to me in the game thread. Oh, gosh, you just shake your head. You just shake your head at losses like these because we've been through so many of these things. Shoot the ball well from the – that's the other – and here's the other one. They get to the bonus first with 11 minutes to go. 11 minutes to go, Iowa State commits their seventh foul. And in the end, they only, they don't even, DCU doesn't even get to the double bonus. So they only committed two, they only forced two fouls on Iowa State in the last 11 minutes. And maybe some of that's the refs, but some of that's the approach they took. Where were those drives to the basket? And okay, they're getting shut off. Then you've got to move it by passing the ball. But you just. You get that seventh foul with 11 minutes to go. You should be having a parade to the foul line. And and they didn't have it. They end up 8 of 11 in the second half, which is good, and 14 of 18, which is terrific. And here's and they only committed six turnovers in the second half. So they did a lot of things right to win this game. And yet, they don't. They don't, and they're in the loser's bracket now playing, you know, Boise State or uh, – or, or tech, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, that's the late game tomorrow night. I might be wrong about that, but that might be the late game tomorrow night. Now, let me see here. Yeah, it is. So VCU at eight. VCU's the last game Friday night. Go joy at eight o'clock. So you know, we'll see about that. Gene Cox. That's an interesting. It's an interesting thing because I'll tell you what. I've never been a big fan of the hedge because oftentimes we would get caught. You know, we would have a guy not hedge hard enough. But that is an interesting point. He says, you know, hedging on picks instead of letting guards get to the rim. We had to do. We had to figure out a way to change it and force them into a jump shot, especially as, you know, they weren't making them by and large, except for that one in the paint area that Jones made near the end. They weren't making them. And, and the thing is, the, the, the other issue that VCU's guards had tonight is that they were not recognizing the double team and passing out of it. The double team would come, and they would be dribbling, and they would be in trouble. And they had to do a better job at that, and they didn't. And that is in kind of infuriating, to be honest. Because well, how do you do that? If somebody's going to come with a double team, you get at it by finding that open man right away and passing it out quick. Uh, Bruce Stevenson, I don't think Wheeler was suspended as far as I know, and I'm not sure why he didn't play at all. I would have liked to have seen him on the floor a few minutes, but it's hard to take for it's hard to put get him on there when Fermin and the wall are playing as well as they are. And I think that's the issue. 
and you know I'm sitting next to Adam Epstein watching it, and he's right. He's, he's sitting there, and I can't disagree with him that you want Fermin and Lawal on the floor together as much as possible because it's a very good lineup for BC when the two of them play together. So the Wheeler thing again, it concerns me because I think there's something. I hope there's something there, and I hope he and they can figure it out. So okay. Eight o'clock tomorrow night, BCU against either State or Tech. Again, we'll be doing the same deal. We'll be doing the, we'll be doing the live stream in here, and the live video in here, unless the background noise is really a problem for my producer, which I hope it's not. Um, and we will be getting the special podcast done probably tomorrow. Not sure when, but probably tomorrow. And then that will be coming out later, and you'll really love it when we get to that. So, final thoughts are. DCU stepped up in weight class and proved that they were a legitimately, they're a legitimately really good team. That they're somebody that can fight for a spot in the NCAAs, that they can mix it up with teams that are going to be pretty good and probably be in the tournament. Their starting schedule prepared them for this game better than it prepared Iowa State. And because there's no other explanation for Iowa State. You know, averaging doggone 91 points a game and with a scoring margin of 45 and 0.5, looking completely lost and bamboozled for as long as they did against VCU. The problem is it didn't lead to a victory yet again. And it is too familiar of a refrain in these tournament games and these in-season tournament games that we absolutely have to win because of the fact that the, that, that the committee is not going to give us, is, is at least at this point not giving the A-10 much respect. Granted, the A-10 is having a way better non-conference than before the last two years. So there is hope still, even with a loss like this, especially if BCU could win the next two and finish fifth. That would be great, and they'll have that opportunity. So let's hope that this team can bounce back. Um, yeah, Memphis home game, Bruce Stevenson is huge, but that's that's a while yet. They got to bounce back and they got to win tomorrow. Whether it's Tech or Boise State, I don't care who it is. And they really need to win Sunday, whoever it is on the other side of the bracket. Whoever it is, I don't care who it is. And by the way, I have to say that too. The two games on the other side of the bracket were fantastic to watch. A lot of great offense being run. Maybe not a lot of great defense, to be fair but a lot of great offense being run by these teams. And uh, whoever we play on that side of the bracket Sunday, which is, let's see here, at this point, now that we know we're in the loser's bracket, it's either going to be 4 or 10.30 in the morning. Whoever that is on Sunday, we're going to have to, uh, we're going we're gonna to have to really, we're going to have to really play well and step up our game offensively to beat that to win on Sunday because those four teams in the afternoon bracket, uh, they played some brilliant offense out there, and they were tough. So that's it. I want to thank everybody in the game thread. As always, if you're not a member of the VCU Good and the Bad and the Ugly group, you should join us for the game threads, for the um, you know for, for the uh, for the A10 brethren, where we're keeping up with our A10, uh, our fellow A10 teams like Loyola. Chicago, who got a win over Boston College, and who knows, Boston College might not be that good, but it's a power five. It's a win over a power five team on a neutral floor, so that's good for the conference. So that's you know that's 
you know, we keep up with those. Tales from the non-conference will be debuting probably Saturday or Sunday because we'll have played enough games now against our, our non-conference opponents that we can start tracking them. And we remember with the Tales from the non-conference, we only track the ones we've played. That is a post-COVID thing because you never know when a game gets canceled from under you, although you'd hope there's no reason for that now. So Saturday, Saturday night, excuse me, Friday night, and then it'll be Saturday either very early in the morning, it'll, you know, it'll be 10.30 or 4 o'clock or whatever. So that's it. I want to thank everybody. Thank you out in podcast land who's going to be listening to this either later tonight or tomorrow morning. Uh, look for look for another one. Look for another one uh, Sunday morning after a Friday night game. Hopefully, or Saturday morning. Hopefully, VCU gets the W uh, and can get something out of this tournament. It would be a damn shame to go 0-3, especially having played as well as they have started. Thank you all for listening. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. DC, good and the bad and the ugly and all out in podcast land. Enjoy the rest of your Thanksgiving. Talk to you all later. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.